Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a better better global society. Hello everyone and welcome to the Thinking Reimagined live podcast recording brought to you on the stable of live abundantly i am nifemi oguntoye thank you so much for joining us well it's the 12th of august and attention is again turned globally to celebrate and indeed mainstream young people's voices their actions and initiatives as the world max international youth day Happy International Youth Day, everyone joining us live on Facebook. And if you're listening on our podcast, perhaps a few days after Youth Day, we say thank you for joining us. And indeed, we celebrate with every young person listening right now. The theme for this year's observance is transforming food systems, youth innovation for human and planetary health. Indeed, um, we're told that the world's population is expected to increase by some 2 billion people in the next three decades. And with that population explosion comes um, the issues of the agenda, the 2030 agenda, issues of poverty reduction, social inclusion, healthcare and rest. But we're flipping the story today. We're talking about the Nigerian youth and we're paying attention to the plights of young people in Nigeria. I'm joined by three awkwardly mobile young folks on this particular conversation. Tawa Khaled Karim is a writer, a development communications professional, and an advocate for gender equality. Funsho Alufoge is a political analyst and human rights activist. And Toby Ayodele is a feminist, but maybe I'll ask her what, what a feminist means. A feminist and communications consultant. Hello, ladies and guy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Good to have you guys around. Let me also introduce to you some journalists who will be asking questions uh, later on in the course of this conversation. joins us from What's Up Now, Benga Kimfenwa joins us from The Guardian, and Maritha Ebolusue is from the prestigious Punch newspaper. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We really appreciate you. So who do I start with? I say ladies first, right? All right, but there are two ladies now here. So let's start with the guy. Funsha Lufoge is a political analyst and human rights activist. So let's begin with the World Bank report some weeks ago that indicated that 50% of Nigerian youths want to leave the country. And the thing about this report is that it tallies with the 2019 report by Pew Research Center. That particular one revealed that almost half of Nigerian adults have indicated their willingness to leave the country in five years. What do you think is responsible for this? Mm. Um, When we talk about uh, population migration, we should always look at two factors, push and pull. From the angle of push, we are looking at the factors in Nigeria that is making this place unstable or making this place unattractive. 
And for the pool, we are looking at those factors that make where they are going to more attractive to them. So when we look at Nigeria now, push factors, they include political instability, they look include insecurity, you know, economic instability in the country that make uh, almost all your efforts unfruitful. There are those factors that want you to just leave this country and go and do something elsewhere that may not be as 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 productive, but you're in a different location that where you think uh, has your best interest at hand. That's a major reason why many Nigerians want to leave. So it's those push and pull factors that are making people want to leave Nigeria very, very quickly. Sometimes you also wonder for sure how accurate these um, concerns are or um, these interests are, particularly when you consider the means and mode with which some young Nigerians intend yes. to travel. Yes. Um, the regular migration to Europe and the fact that um, you know job opportunities hasn't aren't as mired as it's perceived back here. Yeah, Talk to exactly. us about the main factor that you think is responsible. Uh, I mean, is Nigeria really that bad or or we just have a bunch of ignorant young people? Uh, let us uh, for me the major factor is the economic factor. Yes, economic factor that's why many Nigerians want to leave here. We are regularly graduating uh, graduates in Nigeria every year, uh, both in secondary schools and the universities. And all these graduates, it's always difficult for them to get jobs. Those who can get jobs are basically uh, underemployed. And you're like, you have several, you have potentials. Look at those who have left the country, uh, those few ones who have left the country and are using their potentials to better these other places they've gone to. It gives a form of hope to those who are still here that if I leave this place, I can do more. The basic thing is that we know that we have the potentials, we know we can do things. It's just that the environments that we find ourselves is not allowing us to do these things that we want to do. Let's look, look at the angle of cryptocurrency now. Uh, it's also, uh, it came in as a form of also uh, a means of livelihood. Then suddenly the government put a ban on cryptocurrency in Nigeria. And these are those other things that just make you see that there is just no hope in Nigeria. It's not just uh, what you are living, it's what your parents have lived, what their parents have lived, the stories you've had of their life, the stories that you've had of your parents and grandparents, and you're just saying to yourself, will my story be the same? Let me just take, uh, let me just take this opportunity and leave this country. You spoke of uh, the means that these Nigerians are uh, uh, migrating out of the country, like that you are going through the Sahara Desert or unsafe means. This unsafe means just basically, you know, it shows us how how hopeless how desperate how hopeless, we have yeah, become how desperate they become yes for people to decide to leave the country through the desert for people to decide to sit at the anchor of a, of a, of a ship that's going to be on the mediterranean that shows how desperate people are they just believe that uh i will die here so let me leave sure. if i die I, I might die here too but same here, I know I will die here how desperate are you to leave this country how desperate am I to leave this country? Okay, yeah, yeah. I would say I am so desperate. And why am I not so desperate? Again, I, I, I am not so desperate because I am, I am, like, I am privileged. Yes, I am privileged. Not everyone is as privileged as I am. If you okay, mean, let me let me rephrase the question. If you have an opportunity, a job opportunity in Canada in yes. 2021, yes. will you take it? If I have opportunity in 2021, I think the next uh, podcast, I'll be speaking to you from Canada. From Ontario. Oh, yes, guy. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's bring Oluwatoba 
Ulua Tobi in on this um, conversation. Good to see you, Ulua Tobi. I like the way you look. No makeups. I mean, it's very daring to to have someone appear without makeup this day. Maybe that's why you're a feminist. But we'll get we'll get down to that. So, in the course of this conversation, they say that in 2018, the government of of um, of Canada recorded that Nigeria falls behind only China with the number of persons who received invitations to apply for Canadian Express entry. entry. Um, um, uh, I spoke earlier with Funsha who mentioned the issue of unemployment and underemployment, uh, the economic reasons for perhaps um, the reason behind this um, um, intent to migrate. What do you think is perhaps the most challenging problem for a Nigerian youth that seems to have inspired this desire to leave Nigeria? All right, thank you very much, um, Nifemi. Um, I think for us as Nigerian youth and for people that are actively looking for opportunities to migrate is because one of the things they go out for, look out for is they go for greener pasture. I mean, when you ask them, why are you leaving? People are literally giving up their family, their lives, what they've built over time in Nigeria just to start afresh in another country. Not because they particularly like it, but because they know that there are better opportunities in those countries. There are better systems in those countries. The system works, at least not perfectly or not 100%, but to an extent where they can, you know, achieve their dreams and goals in no time. So I think that's why most people are leaving. They're not leaving because, oh, they like, maybe they are very patriotic to Canada or to the US or something, but because they have better opportunities there. There are better opportunities and looking at the reality of Nigeria, especially after the COVID-19, we can see that it is now worsening. The economy is worsening. Um, the amount you're earning has not even increased. The minimum wage that has been increased, not in all states, doesn't even equate to what is supposed to anymore because of the dollar rate and the exchange rate and all of that. So what people are getting for low amounts before is now being gotten at the same quantity with higher price. So there's no, the, the, the Naira, the economy, the opportunities that we see, that we want to see, that even as young people that we dream to see, that we hope to see growing up and saying, oh, this is where I want to work, or this is what I want to do when I grow up. You you grow up and you see the reality of Nigeria and you see the brokenness, the system, the corruption, everything that, everything doesn't just go right in Nigeria, right? So we, we can't just say, oh, we have opportunities out there and because we want to be patriotic and we just stay back. I don't think that's how it works. And I don't think that's what um, people that go, that actively migrate, I don't think that's what they think about. Yeah. So like Funsha, are you one of the 50% Nigerian youth who are will, willing I'm to- I'm sure you know, we'll both be Japan. there talking about the, the next podcast from there if I have the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me read a message to you. So Dr. Ahmed just sent me a message. She says that you cannot make comments about a woman with makeup. Um, maybe that is why you're a feminist. Um, it says, she says that's a microaggressive. Um, well, my intention oh, yes. was that I, was I going like to, to comment on that privately, that um, it doesn't you. have anything to do with my stand as a feminist. 
Um, so it doesn't it doesn't make me less or more of a woman whether I'm with him, whether I'm with makeup or not. So I was going to comment that privately, but thank God someone made a comment on that. It's unfortunate that majority of the comments, you know, in this regard, um, my my reaction was that I love I love I like to see a woman without makeup. I and I'm an advocate of. I just want them to look as natural as they are. So it's just unfortunate that perhaps we are in a society where, you know, it sounds like it's microaggressive, but on the contrary, I'm on your side and I and I just love your style. That's what I meant. So I apologize if that offended you in any way. For sure, we're told now that Nigeria is the poverty capital of the world with um, some 83 million of its citizens living in poverty. But at the same time, there are also myriad opportunities in this country. I can't count in my fingers, many young people are doing very well for themselves, who, who have been educated here in Nigeria and who are doing business in Nigeria and who are also making a name for themselves. So how do we marry these two realities? I mean, are we, are we missing out on some points? Are we getting drunk on the negativity and the pessimistic view of what Nigeria is that we're not even, you know, we're not even given, given ourselves the privilege and the opportunity to cash in on this huge opportunity before us. Uh, it, it's true that uh, Nigeria has been uh, identified as the poverty capital of the world. However, I don't know the, uh, the indices they used to come up with that uh, rating. However, they're yeah, looking to most what you said that we still in this same country, we have, we have many young people who are doing well for themselves. It's true, yeah, we have young people who are doing well for themselves. But as I said earlier, we cannot compare maybe a few young people who are doing well for themselves to another set of people who don't even have opportunities to try. Someone, has, someone once told me that poverty is not the absence of money, but the absence of opportunities. We have over 5 million uh, Almagiris roaming Nigeria. What opportunities do these young people have? So even if a few young Nigerians are doing well for themselves, they are catching into some opportunities, probably using their social media or digital means. These uh, young people, they are doing these things because they had access to opportunities. Some people don't have access to opportunities at all. They don't have access to opportunities. Like these are my people I'm speaking of. What access to the opportunity do they have? And what are we doing about this? That is something we should look at. Uh, look at how to empower those ones who do not have opportunities. Toby, I'm back to you. Um, recall what transpired in 2020. You know, the biggest, perhaps the biggest protest that we've seen you know, on a national level, particularly seeing how it turned out. Uh, they called it the NSAS protest. And um, we saw uh, what we have now come to know as the Sorosoke generation, speak up and speak loud. Don't remain oppressed. You have a right to this, you have a right to that, and you can rise and demand. Unfortunately, if you, if you compare that with the turnout of young people during the local government election in Lagos, you begin to doubt whether the young people who stepped out in 2020 really do understand how to make real changes in a nation or a country that has a constitution. I mean, so there was a local government election where young people had the privilege 
to decide who is going to lead them at the grassroots. But then we're talking about voter apathy. How do you marry these two realities? All right, thank you very much, Nifem. So um, I participated in the NSAS protest in 2020, and that was one of the highlights of 2020 for me because at that moment, it was it was like an awakening for us as Nigerian youth. You know, it was a moment where we could all come together in one voice and demand action. We, we were speaking truth to power. We were calling out government stakeholders. We were demanding justice for those that have been abused, killed, and arrested um, wrongly. So it was a moment where we were thinking, okay, maybe there was still something that could happen. I mean, look at how, because of how we, we, we came together online and offline, see what we achieved, you know, in responding to um, young people that were arrested on the protest ground, young people that needed food, young people that needed drinks. I mean, people were donating and so it was really massive um, collaboration. And then the election happened and um, I think what, what discouraged us was the aftermath of the NSAS, the 20, the October um, 10 events, October 20 um, events, the mass shooting at Lekki Tollgate, the mass shooting at Alausa and other states that people were just um, arrested wrongfully. And, and also, if I must say, the response from the president, from the government, and from other um, state actors was not encouraging for us as young people. So I, I personally, for me, I, I remember when I listened to President Buhari's speech, when I listened to President Buhari's speech after the um, October 20th event, and I was just really tired. Like I was like, what is going on? Is this a speech? What is going on? I was just really tired. So I think that was what discouraged most of us as young people to keep pushing. And I mean, there was a setback. And then during the election also, I mean, most people were people were still saying they didn't have their voter's card. I could not get my voter's card because when I registered last time, they wrote my name wrongly. And since then, I've been trying to correct that. So I didn't vote. I didn't go out to vote. And then you mentioned the constitution again. I mean, do we even, do we have time to start talking about our constitution? Because we know that democracy is not even being practiced in Nigeria. Our constitution is still flawed. I know they are reviewing the constitution right now. It doesn't reflect even us as women. Women are not being reflected in the constitution. Our needs and common, it's just like um, we are running a lawless or a country with impunity and corruption. So I must say that when we say, oh, young people are not coming up for election, we, we really need to look at um, the past elections and the system we are running. Is the system encouraging us to come up for election? Do we know that um, to come out to, to cast our votes? If we know that our votes are going to be counted and if we know that our, our votes will matter, because we, we see the reality of votes. We see what politicians do online and offline. After the, um, during the lockdown, during the um, protest, we were seeing warehouses that were being looted and we saw packages that were just kept in the warehouses. Packages that were meant for palliatives, for reliefs, for people in communities that were just stuck there. A politician, a woman also used it as a birthday souvenir. So what are we really saying? Is, it, is there a democracy for the people and by the people? 
are the people are we being represented so if we go to the election ground and we go cast our votes are we casting mm-hmm. our votes for a system that will work or for a system that will ruin us rather than casting my votes for a system that will ruin me i will carry my papers and go out to a system that will treat me well even if i'm not a citizen so i think we really need to um look back and reflect on what exactly is going on the, the the root causes of all of these issues if you are saying young people are not going out to vote it's not because they don't want to vote or because they don't have um the desire to vote i would like to vote i would like to have a dem- i was watching the us um politics last year and the election and, and i was just amazed at how democracy was working everything was working um people were you know people were going out encouraging other people to go out and vote and register in anywhere we're talking about um going doing vote uh, electronic voting and i don't know the state that one went but i know that the discussion was just shut down at the national assembly so are we really moving forward in nigeria when it comes to um strengthening democracy i understand your concern toby but you know you agree all that beyond civil unrest all of these things that you have highlighted cannot change except people participate actively participate in the process i can tell you for free that elections are easier to manipulate when there is voter apathy when people don't turn up if people turn up in their numbers and people speak with the ballot it will be very difficult to manipulate the outcome of such elections so i am concerned particularly as a young person well, hope, seeing thousands I of people that, turn out. Um, the next um, election yes. coming up um, yes that we we get our voters card ready and then we come out and mass to you know to vote i think that's one of the things where um in the social space in the civic space young people have been encouraged even especially during the nsas protest you know young people have been encouraged to get their voters card especially now that registration is going on they have been encouraged to get their voters card so that during elections we know that we are coming out in mass and hopefully our votes are counted and matters All right, let's hear Tower. Tower, it's uh, you've been missing an action. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I was actually wondering why is it taking us so long to start today? Not knowing that it was a sound issue from my side, but it's all sorted now so I can hear you properly. Oh, beautiful. So, we have uh, we have just said a lot of, you know, we've talked about <laughs> the fact that 50% of Nigerian youth are interested in checking out of this country according to a particular World Bank report. And mm. I've asked everyone, the other two people mm. on this panel, if they are willing, if they have a chance, you know, to migrate to Canada. You know what they told me? Mm. They said, "Well, the, the next episode of this podcast, they will be talking to me from Ontario." So l- let's let's begin to deal with you <laughs> about that. What what are your thoughts about Tower? So, um If you talk to anybody that knows me they'll tell you that Tarkalit is a die hard left stay in Nigeria and fake Nigeria. But I'm not going to lie to you that my opinion in 2021 that my conviction about that in 2021 is as strong as it was in 2015 for example. Now I think that Nigeria has been very dysfunctional for a long time and we all know that. We knew that but still we're determined or oh, um we're going to stay we're going to make things work we're going to contribute we're going to do our part and a huge part of what made us say that and actually believe that was that we had hope hope is a currency it's spendable you can exchange hope hope is a currency we had hope we truly believed that if more of us just stay 
and try to fix things and do the work that it was going to make a difference. So if you ask me, what's the difference in, I mean, the last election, the 2011 election, the hope in the country was palpable. You could feel it. It was like if you stretched your fingers far enough, you could actually touch it. People felt that we were finally stamping our foot down. We're doing something for us. We're making a difference. We're saying that this is enough. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. And then, I mean, it turned the way it turned. I feel like personally, um, based on all of the things that I have seen, if you ask me, 2011 was a turning point in our consciousness as citizens and the things that stopped mattering to us. Because it became, because on. Honestly, I love Nigeria, but I don't love Nigeria more than I love myself. I do not. I don't love Nigeria more than I love my family. I don't love Nigeria more than I love the family that I will build. So, and I if and if your cup is only half full, there's only now. I have still not gotten to the place where it's like hundred percent jackpot. Get out of Nigeria. But I'm not at zero percent like I was before. So then I think I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like, yeah, I would really like to go for my master's, um, get advanced knowledge, advanced information, yeah, and then just yeah, take it from that's there. That's how that's how it starts. I think you you meant 2020, right? Was the deciding year yes. for you? Uh, no, I was saying that the very first election that brought in our current president. So the okay. first one was in 2015, then 2019. Yes. So 2015, yes. 2015, that oh, was a turning point in our politics. Oh. All right. So um, I forgot for a minute that I have other, I have other senior colleagues um, on this podcast. And then I know they are thinking, what's wrong with this guy? He, he forgot us. So let me introduce the other journalists so that they can come in with their opinions and their questions for you. Uh, we have Babatide um, Ogutimei. Babatide um, Ogutimei, what's up now? Uh, and then I can tell, congratulations, bro. I can see New Centra on the screen. So let me also say that he's with New Centra. <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can see that on the screen behind you. All right. So um, Benga Kifemwa joins us from The Guardian and Maritha uh, Ebolosui. Oh my God, I know I'm out of that. Forgive me from punch. Let's begin with Maritha. Maritha, you have the floor now. So if Maritha isn't there, let's hear from Baba Tunde. Hello. Hello. Go ahead, Baba Tunde, we can hear you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I just want to rejoice with uh, you all over the world today this occasion of International Day. You know, it's a, it's a day that set aside to celebrate young people all over the world, celebrate what they stand for, um, what, they, what they serve to achieve, and to open the championship in the community and uh, the world at large. Um, I bumped into a report about a day ago concerning uh, Nigeria. I just want to look at uh, Nigeria, just domesticate it and see how it happens. Uh, it says uh, Nigeria was ranked 161st out of 181 on the 2020 Global Youth Development Index. This index measures a series of uh, factors ranging from uh, youth education, employment, health, equality, and inclusion. Participation. 
I just want to look at um, riding on the back of this because the theme of this year's international day says due to migration for human and planetary health. How are our youths? What it is right now that our youths are being uh, bring, bring, uh, are being allowed to contribute in most of these uh, national issues and the youths allowed? Like we hear someone telling us right now that. Uh, Looking forward to jump out of this country if uh, he has a chance. I mean, most of these things happen. I think saying 50% of the youths want to leave the country is a very little estimation. I think it's even more than that, not just the youths, the adults too. So that shows you there's so much problem. Youths are not being involved. They are not, you know. They are not being carried along. We had so many things that happened, especially in the last two years, from the NSAS to the Twitter ban and so many other things. Those are things that are affecting our youths. Now, the question is how do we allow the youths to, you know, have a sense of entitlement in all these things we know? What which way forward are we going to which way are we going to do, you know, so that in the coming years things can change and the youths won't have a reason to want to just take an escape out of this country, you know, and uh, just generally be part of the system. All right. Thank you, Babatunde. Funsho, Babatunde is talking about how to encourage youth participation. Remember that, um, remember that aftermath, the 2020 NSAS protest, um, states from across, states across the Federation came up with panels to, you know, really hear victims and um, talk to people who have complaints in that regard how do we create structures that Robertundo is talking about to give a sense you know of participation to young people you know in in this country i always say uh the solution to this is knowledge um the problem of political party uh i think my own opinion goes back to the remove uh, our education system yes some of us are not aware of the importance of the government in the states. What is the role of government in the states? We are not basically aware of this. Most of us are not aware of this. Uh, and if we're not aware of this because of the life we have come to live. Imagine uh, during the uh, lockdown and the whole, when, uh, during the lockdown, all, most of us became, uh, what is it now, vigilantes. We are protecting our own selves. We became our own government. So uh, us becoming our own government, has kind of eroded the value or importance of a government in a state. And uh, when you uh, go back to the education system, where governments are actually teach this importance, this, this value of government, what is the role of government yeah, uh, to the students from school, we've realized that this education system is flawed. Uh, flawed in the sense that history is not being taught in schools. Uh, even the government that has been taught, it's not uh, as, uh, what's the word now? What should I use? It's not taught properly. Yes, it's not taught properly. People are not basically aware of the role of government. So the number one thing that should be done is to allow, is to teach, right from the education system, secondary schools, primary schools, is to allow, to teach people to be aware of the importance of the role of a government in the state. Speaking of the state institutions, once people are aware of the roles that this importance is, that of these institutions hold, then they become more uh, important to them. They know why these things are existing and why and what they have to do for these things to keep existing. 
that is uh, a major thing to be done. And uh, then the next thing, uh, please remind me of the other thing you said. I am kind of uh, going off. Well, I think I think mentioned did mention about um, the fact that even the 50% quoted by the World Bank is inaccurate. He believed that there are quite a higher number of both young and adults who are interested in leaving this country. Fundamentally, the question he was talking, I mean, that he was asking was um, what government can do or how we can engage young people more and give them, you know, a sense of belonging, so to speak, in, okay. in Nigeria. Okay. Other than the education system, then the next thing is creating opportunities because it's the major reason people want to leave. People want to leave because they don't see opportunities. They don't think they have opportunities. They are not being listened to. So other than opportunities, we also have to have intergenerational conversations. If we are looking at it that youth are the ones that want to leave Nigeria desperately, then create a form of intergenerational conversations. We are not saying that all the older ones should leave power. We are saying that we want to do this together because we are alive together. We want to rule this country together. There should be a form of intergenerational conversation between the youth and the uh, other generation. So uh, right from the schools, educate uh, students of uh, civic uh, education, basically civic education, the government and your role in the government, your role in the state, your role in the continuity of the state. When you are not participating in the state, these are things that happen. And when you participate in the state, these are things that happen. People are not really aware of their civic of, the, of their civic rights uh, and civic participation, and then this is political apathy. So the education system should be looked into. Politics should be encouraged from secondary school. That is a major thing. Politics should be encouraged from secondary school. How can we encourage politics from secondary school? Taking children, taking students on excursions to witness uh, uh, the assembly sittings, state assembly sittings. Take them to witness uh, state assemblies and national assembly systems also, and uh, uh, creating a form of forum that students of different schools come together and discuss uh, national issues, issues that affect them as a whole. These are ways that we incite the love of politics in the students, and when they grow up, they become more involved in politics and politicizing in their country. I remember when I was in uh, secondary school, and uh, typically before my set before my set and other set for my set, before we came uh, to be selected as a as a prefect, it's a thing that the teachers will come together and you know professors will come together and select their leaders in the school. But during my set, it was changed. It became a thing of politics. We formed political parties, and so these political parties that uh, that vied for positions in the school. And that is how uh, we, uh, I basically invited the, the love and play for politics. So I think these things should be incited right from secondary schools. That's a major way to incite uh, the love for politics yeah, in children and children. This is Thinking Remarkened, a Leave Abundantly production. In association with Nelkan Media. Let's let's hear from Guardians Binga uh, for his question. Binga, you have the floor now. It's, it's nice to join this conversation. Um, I must say that um, things have actually fallen apart in Nigeria, and the set of people that are actually affected the largest percentage are the youths. Um, so many things are actually happened that uh, we, even most of us, are actually believe in the dream Nigeria like looking for any opportunity to just leave this country but i must say that uh, 
even since we are still in the country and a lot of things have actually happened i think it's the uh this going generation that are actually causing a lot of uh this suffering for us but i must say that we also have a uh, roles to play so that's why i'm actually directing my question to the participant said that uh, at the youth what are those things what are the roles we are actually playing to support government to be able to uh, make a good nigeria do a lot of things have actually happened we have done so many things that are not actually showing it's like a uh, pouring sand inside the river it's not actually showing i actually covered the last local government election in ogun state and what i actually saw there there was actually to the uh, voter apathy and majority of the people that are actually staying away from this polling units these are the youths what were they doing they were playing football and moving away we are actually saying that we want to correct anomalies in the country we want to do so better but what are our parts we need to play a lot of parts so that's what i want to actually ask maybe we can actually what are the roles youths can actually play to be able to make sure that the, this dream called nigeria is a reality fantastic question let's hear let's hear tower khalid answer that and then i'll get to toby in a moment okay um um nick family you're going to have to give me quite a few minutes because i'd like to say something about the other question you asked um funcho i hope that's okay yeah please go ahead so um there was this quote on twitter that i really liked and he said that you cannot innovate around bad governance and i think that that's a very interesting point of view this tweet that i saw on twitter some time ago and i thought that that was very important and was very necessary for all of us to remember so i think that there's a lot of responsibility that's placed on the shoulder of nigerian youths right when we complain they say that we are entitled um it's not that bad why are you complaining about everything and when we do try to push forward and do things regardless despite the government not because of the government when we try to do things despite the government it's like oh you people push too hard you're operating too far out of the margins what exactly can young people do what exactly can young people get right so as much as we say oh nigeria is this nigeria is that i mean i am in love with the internet right i think that the internet is an absolute leveler in so many ways you can literally be in this country and be working for an organization in san francisco in singapore in russia you know you're earning in that currency or even in your currency but so young people are leveraging digital platforms a lot there is fiverr there is upwork there is freelancer there is all of these platforms that young people are constantly leveraging doing their own part through that to reduce the unemployment rate in Nigeria they're doing something good and by the way some of those young people especially those ones who built some sort of brand on these platforms they grow to the extent whereby they can then employ other young people you know they have so much work that they can pass it to other young people like them so it's not strange to see one young person who works on upwork having like a team of employees uh, maybe of five and depending on how how much this person has grown you can have their employees earning as much as 700k per month from this one platform this is incredible this means that these are people who are earning outside of our market so they are trying to drop down the rate of unemployment in the country but what do young people get for this you get police who hits you on the road to say um what is on your laptop and uh, where's your work id card you're like i'm working remotely i'm a freelancer they don't recognize that so they stop you they push you in their van you bring out your bank card you transfer some money these are young people who are literally so when we say 
what kind what roles can young people play these are young people who are literally playing roles who are saying that you know what the unemployment situation in this country is abysmal but instead of just complaining about it i'm going to expand my tentacles i'm going to look outside nigeria and just get jobs and try to even employ other young people and what do they get for it extortion being accused of being criminals and all sorts of other crazy things you know mm. their organizations in short some of the organizations that have some of the best work-life balance culture and pay reasonably fairly are organizations that are built by young people organizations that do not completely depend on the nigerian market so you have platforms in nigeria that are saying that we're going to give you an opportunity to invest in stocks in other countries which is a way to earn wealth right you can be in nigeria and invest in amazon and netflix and all of that that's amazing it means that young people can sort of like edge against our consistent currency devaluation but what do we get for it government wakes up one day and thinks that ha you people are trying to make money outside the system slam you are hereby banned from doing this it's a, it's really frustrating so when young people because i personally think that young people are doing a lot we're not perfect right um well still growing and sometimes we were hot-headed and we make mistakes i'm not denying all of that but i think that especially when it comes to growing a lot of young people are really hungry and just really trying to do everything that they can to just possibly grow even outside the system but there's only so much that you can do when you're operating outside the system because the system in nigeria is literally forced to force you back into a circle into a box that then limits you and the work that you let can me, do so let me quickly button um tower kali yeah quickly button um you you started by reading out a tweet right the fact that you cannot yes. innovate around the bad governors on a lighter only, note I'm, at a certain extent that you can innovate outside the system i'm wondering how you got a tweet that means you are living in civil disobedience so still be on twitter <laughs> but uh <laughs> but i think Please, i think what i am not there is no written law I that think... says this i i no 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 so so we're going to leave that conversation for another day but thankfully mm-hmm. the minister of information said that an end is in sight to the twitter ban but me i'm a very yeah. law abiding nigerian i don't understand what you meant by twitter i don't i don't even know if Twitter exists. Good But on a more serious note, mm-hmm. Benga Benga probably is more concerned about the active political participation of the average Nigerian. So you mentioned the fact that young people are doing well in business. But then mm-hmm. you and I understand that business is limited by legislation and Absolutely. by the body language and position of government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if if majority of young people who are vocal in other industries are not also taken seriously their um civil responsibility of participating yeah. at the force then mm-hmm. we are going to come back next year and still have you know this same challenge don't you think okay so let me let me say something right um on the same twitter i'm not going to mention the name but somebody was sharing his experience of a politician who was uh, a man that was in his 30s um harvard educated completely exposed studied outside this country ran a private business before coming to join politics in Nigeria ran a successful private business that employed people and then came to join politics in Nigeria and sort of like fell into the dysfunction that we are currently experiencing so when i say you can't innovate outside the system it's not just in business it's also in politics 
it's also in politics there's only so much you can do in a system that is literally designed to ensure that you don't do those things so i'm not saying that it's impossible i'm saying that it's going to take quite a while i feel like something i can say that i have no illusions about how long it's going to require for us to get back on track it's going to take a while and it's going to take more than young people so young people get into politics i don't think that is a panacea the way that we sometimes said i think it's a good step because Nigerian policies affect young people, so it only makes sense that our opinions, our suggestions, and our expertise are brought on the table. But it's not a complete solution because the very system that those young politicians are supposed to operate in is dysfunctional. So we need to actually dis dismember that entire system and rebuild it in a way that means that when people go in, they can actually do their work. Not that they're left with two choices. Try to do your work and get harmed or just lay low and get out, which is what I feel like the two most obvious choices to most politicians are right now. All right, so problem not a finish. There's no way we can complete this conversation. But I'm going to call on Maritha. Maritha is with the Punch newspaper to ask perhaps the last question um, um, on this one. Welcome back, Maritha. You have the floor now. <laughs> Thank you very much. So um, I was going to ask regarding the migration of Nigerians outside the country. Yes, of course, I'm a young person myself and most of my friends are moving out and some have already moved out. So apart from the economic factors, because um, I think Kenny mentioned some economic factors and the fact that potentials are not being realized. So basically, I don't think it's only about the economic factors. Most people are actually scared for their lives. You know, currently the security situation in the country has worsened. People are being kidnapped. People can't go. Um, people can't go to their PPAs to save. People, uh, NYC graduates that have been posted can't go. Um, yeah, a lot kidnappings, ritual killings unknown government, they're on the rise. So people just feel, well, I've been managing, I've been hustling, and now you want to take my life. I guess I have no option not to run away. That's what some young people actually think, because I think these days, a lot of people are making money in Nigeria. Yes, they're making money. It's not just about the economic factors. A lot of youths are selling online, opening their businesses, raising funds, and just delving into innovations around the world. So mm. I, what do you think can be done to address some of these security challenges that we are having? Because it's really affecting our economy. When you, you have foreign investors and people scared to come into the country because they feel their businesses will be jeopardized in the long run. And it's affecting the economy and it's affecting the mindset of the young ones. So what do you mm. think can be done regarding that aspect? All right, let's hear Oluwatobi out on this one. All right, um, thank you very much. I was going to respond to Benga's um, question also before I respond to the last question. I'm just going to quickly say, because you mentioned the Nigerian dream, and I'm here wondering what exactly is the Nigerian dream? Do we even have a dream anymore? The in Nigerian Nigeria dream as because... we speak, I have an idea, Oluwatobi, is to leave Nigeria. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. The, the, the present Nigerian dream right now is to just leave Nigeria and be tweeting, go we help Nigeria from another country. So, because when we look at the system, Talit was saying it, the system does not favor young people anymore. The system has literally failed young people. There is no democracy. There's no, we can't even say, oh, we need to, we need to strengthen democracy in a way, but there's no even democracy to strengthen. Yeah. I'm glad that Marita mentioned that it's not just economy. And let me tell you, if you think young people are making money, when they convert it and they start spending, young people are literally not just doing one job anymore. At least the people I know, my friends, even I myself, I'm not doing just one job. Yeah. I'm doing about two to three jobs. No frequently but at least i get side gigs and all of that and all of my friends are actively doing the same thing and all of us earning we are still not living comfortably as young people within the age bracket of say 24 to 30. i know my parents when they talk about how growing up how they were living how when they bought their first land when they bought their houses and they talk and within the age range of 20 something to 30 and i'm like we are literally living your life right now and i can't even afford a car i can't afford boats every week to work and i'm working two jobs at least because when you look at the economy when you look at the increase in in prices of food in prices of clothes in prices of everything, everything. You know that every, literally everything, you know that this money you are earning is being pumped back. You are pushing it back. If you're not spending money on data, data, data right now is they just suck it up. You know, so when you when you think young people are working and they are innovating, Nigeria is not the best place right now when it comes to the economy. It's not the best place right now to say, oh, I'm earning big money and I'm living comfortably, you know, because the economy has been really impacted and I don't see, I pray and I hope that we get, you know, a turnover or something. And then the insecurity, I'm glad that you mentioned that because the insecurity has worsened and the major people that are affected are women and girls. I've been speaking to, I'm glad that you even met because I've been interviewing a lot of women and women's rights defenders recently and women in Imo, women in Enugu, Anambra and all of that. And they had a lot of stories to tell farmers and traders that they can no longer go, go to their farms to trade and to, to, to farm because of the men attack. Girls that are being kidnapped and, you know, they get pregnant and they just turn them to wives. Girls that are supposed to be in school. So when we Hold say on. that, oh, what, on, I, what is the role of Nigeria? What is the, what is the role of young people in, you know, achieving democracy? Yes? Let me butt in for a bit. There's also insecurity in other parts of the world. There's an issue of shooting in America. Gokada CEO was killed, I think, in New York just last year. Are you saying that um, it is better to die in America than to die in Nigeria? Yes, actually. But I'm just going to buttress that again, that you know, we know that there's insecurity everywhere in the world, but we can see the system that works for them when it comes to, I mean, corruption is everywhere in the world. We are not denying that. But how, how is the system building back in Nigeria? Are we even acknowledging that there is a problem in our country? Are we even acknowledging that, oh, there is need to include young people? Look at the, young people are putting us on the map. 
musicians, sportsmen and women are putting, look at the last Olympics, for example. We heard that their, good, their um, wares and um, the materials they needed to use were being um, suspended or they, they were being hijacked somewhere. I didn't even know the story. They had to use Twitter to, the Twitter that was banned or that is still banned, they had to use it to beg before they released the materials that they were going to use that was being sponsored by a, a private organization. So what are we talking about? Because young people are actively working, like Tawakalit said. Young people are putting, putting us on the map. But how is Nigeria encouraging young people? How is Nigeria building back the system? How, are they even acknowledging that there is a fault in the system or because they are very comfortable in enjoying the system that benefits just them? So what are we, what, what, if we say, oh, young people are not, we, we have the roles already and we are playing them. We are playing them in so many ways and we are exhausted and that is why we are leaving. We are leaving. Please let me know how you guys are leaving so I can follow you. Tawakalit, I see that you have raised your hand. Please go ahead with your contribution. Um, yes. So you, you asked about the security concern, you know, and what we thought that he government could do better so i think that's a very good question right and um the the kidnappers you know the rapists the unknown gunmen nobody is really unknown right um so i think that the very first place that we should start from is community involvement so this this is not just about young people this is young and old people because everybody comes from somewhere so these people kidnapping, pillaging, raping, thieving, doing all of that, they didn't fall from heaven. They came from somewhere. And a lot of people, especially terrorizing small communities, are either from those communities or communities that are close to those communities. They are not strangers and they are not unknown, which is why it always irks me when I read the news and I'm like, um, social number of people killed in social number of community. And then the trail just goes cold. Why? Does the police even go there and talk to the people in this community? Not talk about them. Not you talk to the media and you say, oh, we are we are aware that there was an attack in Kafancha community and 85 people were killed. I get very angry the way they call those numbers. Like those are people's mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, friends, human beings. But you just reduce them to numbers. And then we, we say, oh my God, that's terrible. And they were all very outraged until the next time when it happened again and another person died so as bad as things are in the northeast i know that one of the ways that these people are trying to fight back is by building community units that defend their own communities and provide information to law enforcement agents i really think that there's a gold mine of information there that the government and other relevant agencies are not taking advantage of enough actually talk to these communities. You might have professional expertise as a security personnel, as a politician, as all of those fancy, fancy things. But the people who live in that community have lived experiences, which is just as valuable as all of the professional experiences that your degrees give you. So talk to those people. They know who is doing this thing. They know the person's motive. They're the ones who can tell you things like, oh, um, this person did not go to school. Um, or maybe this person is a farmer and then something happened and he lost his farm. And so he started working with certain groups. They would, they would literally download life histories for you. Our, government, our security agencies will be able to understand more about the motive 
behind all of this going on i don't think that these things are just maybe some of them are random but i don't think that all of them are just so random like why is all of this even happening do we even know why and i don't think that we can know why if we don't actually speak to the human beings who live in these communities who have it's just like when you go for advocacy visits in local communities you literally have to talk to the chief before you can talk to the communities and if you try to talk to them by yourself and you see that they are very reluctant if you talk to the chief and the chief tells them that oh these people are my guests i want you to share information to them you will see a clear difference in the way that members of the community engage with you when you were talking to them as an individual and when you were talking to them as a person that has been approved by their symbol of authority so i think that we really need to go back to the roots the people who are in power the stakeholders what are their own motives and how can we key into local knowledge all right all right tell college thank you so much we have to go now and i just want to hear a brief comment from everyone but particularly i'm concerned about what you think the nigerian youth can do irrespective of the position of government um so i have interacted recently i was speaking with a medical doctor over the phone and the guy could not even express himself well in english and i was shocked so i told a friend i said how can somebody be a medical doctor in nigeria and who cannot even speak good english so i'm wondering i can't even trust you with my body i don't think that is government's fault i think that irrespective of whether you went to a good school or not. There's a place of personal responsibility. Our government is not responsible for the types of the hush puppies of this world who is who continually will give Nigeria a bad name outside this country. Is anybody, do I have anybody on this platform who thinks that irrespective of how bad government is, irrespective of how terrible security is in this country, that young people do have a responsibility and they can still do something for themselves uh, is there a way we can lead from bottom up and you know decide for ourselves the kind of country or the kind of the kind of quality of life that we truly deserve to live and leave it in this country i'm going to begin with phone shot just one minute round everyone and then we'll end this podcast uh that's a very very tough one very very tough one as I said earlier, uh, speaking about opportunities, yes, there are opportunities in Nigeria and young people are taking advantage of these opportunities. But then, it's just a few of these young people that have these opportunities. And is that in Nigeria we are speaking of? We talk about human capital development. We have a lot of people that don't have these opportunities. What do we do about them? So yes, young people in Nigeria should self-develop. Like Tawa Khalid has spoken of people, young Nigerians, who are making active use of the internet to you know, uh, create opportunities for themselves, employ other Nigerians who are trying to uh, balance the scale of, uh, uh, of development in Nigeria and reduce the, the level of un unemployment in the country. But these are just few young people. Few young people have access to education. Few, a, a lot of young Nigerians, women in Northeast Nigeria, don't even have access to education. What are we, what are we going to do about these people? What, are, what are, how can these people develop themselves? What are we going to do about these people? So I think that, yes, Nigerians uh, can also can, uh, can actually work hard to develop themselves, yes. But still, the government has a major role to play. The government has a major role to play to improve development in the country and make things better for young people in Nigeria. Imagine I'm coming to you, Toby. You, you recall the guy by the name, um, I think it's Ezra, Ezra Ulubi. And there's another guy, Shola Akinlade. Um, uh, I can't lie. So, 
Paystack just some months ago acquired their global fintech um, giant for some 76 billion naira. How how did they do it? They are they they also Nigerians like us. I mean, I was reading up on one of them. The guys cool here in Nigeria. In Nigeria, is there a possibility that we keep looking at the odds, keep looking at negativity, and then we don't see light at all? Sorry, well, I think yes, please please do for sure. When you look at Ezra's uh, background, you cannot compare Ezra's background to somebody living in, in, in Northeast Nigeria. Please, let's not do that. It's, um, it's very, very unfair to these people. Very, very unfair. And comparing those people, uh, expecting those people to be, to be of the same level as Ezra is very, very unfair. Something has to be done for those people. It's very, very wrong when you see when you see uh, people who are, who are who have opportunities and are striving and are making work for themselves, and people who have opportunities are not doing anything about it, and people who don't have these opportunities at all. There's a difference. Perhaps, There's perhaps a difference. if the very few of us with the opportunity take full advantage of those opportunities, then we can reach out to those with zero opportunity. Yeah, we are very right. We are very right. Earlier, I was talking with a friend and I was telling him about about uh, a student, a person who is studying his PhD presently, a Nigerian studying his PhD presently, that cannot construct a single sentence in English language. Yes, and uh, that's very terrible, yes. So we have people like that, to be honest, yes. But we have people who have opportunities and are using them well, and people who don't have opportunities at all. And these are the people I'm speaking for. What's the plight of these young Nigerians? What's the I agree plight? with you. Let's hear Toby now. Yes, thank you. I'm uh, I'm with Funsho on this. When we say what's the plight of Nigerian youth, you know, we cannot. We need to acknowledge our privileges as individuals. We need to acknowledge that, and we need to, you know, look at the the ways that we can move ahead of that and help. Because when you look, I'm going to refer to the NSAS protest. You see the role that young people played, those with um, influence and money and those without influence and money. You know, we all came together. I remember when I joined the protest on the streets and we were walking and we we're carrying placards and guys and people in the community were just asking, oh, what's going on, what's going on? Some people didn't even know what we were talking about, what we were doing until the third day. And we're like, oh, this is what is going on. We are protesting for this. And they joined. You know, they joined. When you go to um, a Koyaba market, you see guys, you see people that have been industrious and trying to make a living out of, you know, nothing. They just go about their businesses, even up to um, bus drivers and conductors, up to women selling food on the street. Everybody is trying to do something, you know. But how is the government helping? There was one time at K2 bus stop, I saw um, law enforcement people and they were just destroying goods on the street. Why? Because they were selling on the street. That might not be the best place to sell. You could have just said, leave this place. Of course, we know that um, Nigerians will always come back and all of that. But are you providing a place for them to stay to sell their goods? Rather than just, you know, tearing, scattering and destroying the, the little that they have. And you see these women just begging. So we have a lot of people that are doing something. And we have a lot of people that want to do something, but they don't have the opportunity to. So it's important that our government, you know, they don't just say, oh, young people should go out and do something. Go out and do what? It's like saying during the lockdown where they say everybody should stay at home. What about people that were homeless? Stay at home, stay where? 
people were still on the street because they had no home to go to. So we need yeah. to look at these realities and we need to do something about it. The government needs to do something about it at all levels. Absolutely. Tower Khalid, your 60 seconds start now. I'm just going to say that young people are doing enough already. Um, we will do more. We can do more, but young people are already doing enough. That's number one. Number two, I want to say that we must divest from this idea of judging the general populace using a few outliers. How many pay stats as Nigeria? How many pay stats as Nigeria produced? We can't judge millions and millions of people with a few outliers who bust out of the system. There will always be outliers. But when we judge the general situation with outliers, we sort of reduce the struggle that majority have to go through. Our realities are not the same. Toby mentioned privileges. Those are very real things. You talked about the doctor who couldn't speak English. I think that that's a bit small. But I also think that sometimes people are brilliant. Education and exposure are quite different things. Now, something that seems as simple as just having books to read when you're a child can be the difference between somebody who is articulate and somebody who is not. Now, yes, self-developing is, is everybody's responsibility, but they're literally graduates in this country. I, I just saw one on Twitter. The guy got a scholarship um, to study for his PhD in the U.S. He only saw that opportunity because he went to town to visit his friend, I think. Otherwise, he didn't have access to internet and he was a graduate. He graduated from a federal university. But after school, after NYC, he went back to the village. He was a farmer. The only reason that he even knew that there was a scholarship opportunity like that, that he eventually got, was because he went to town during that period when the call for application was asked to visit his friend. If he hadn't gone to town, he knew that something as seemingly simple as internet would have prevented him from accessing that opportunity even if he was qualified. So when we talk about young people striving, we must also talk about the structural barriers that literally impede the chances that they have to access the, um, this opportunities. So even though the internet has democratized opportunities, how many people have access to the internet? I know that when we're on Twitter and Instagram, it feels like all Nigerians on Twitter and Instagram, but they are not. More of us are off the injuries. The digital divide is greater than we think. There are more people who are still existing in the analog age than the ones who are existing in the digital age. Now, I mean, the government certainly has work to do, but like I was telling one of my friends yesterday, I think that's something that all of us can do is to do for one person. You know, we're constantly looking for how to do the big things. So what if you cannot you cannot you don't have an intervention that can affect 10 lives positively? Can you choose one child? that you can send to school, if it's something that you can afford. Let, yes, government should do their work. We're not going to do their work for them. We don't have the structural um, support behind us. But can each one of us take one person that we take an interest in, that we very deliberately mentor and sponsor? Because by doing that, you don't just affect one person's life. It's a ripple effect. You're literally changing a generation. And maybe if we're so lucky, we can make some very important changes in Nigeria by doing what Absolutely. we all can in our very individual spaces. While still saying that it's government's job to drive structural <laughs> institutional change. All right. So I agree with everyone that leadership, um, you know, that everything rises and falls on leadership. I agree with you. But please let me add this one. Agree with me or not. Personal opinion. So I used to have this friend who's a journalist who works... Uh, with um, a federal government-owned radio station. The salary at that time was 70,000 Naira, but he had too much free time. You know, the thing with federal government job, 
you go to work you don't do anything and then you know people just choose to live that kind of life and then he decided to you know take interest in a totally different profession you know did some courses here and there and he left so when he told me he was leaving the job i was a bit concerned for him but he told me that well i'm exploring other things the last time i spoke with him guys guess what this same guy now earns a millionaire per month i mean that's that's just from someone who who just chose to see you know the opportunity so i understand that there are people who are not privileged at all but i'm also saying that young people who are listening and who are watching right now should be challenged this is nigeria of 200 million people that's the least you will have more opportunities here than you may have in another country based on your training and your profession and i think that young people should take advantage to you know looking words and you know just 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 challenge themselves some people are just are just underemployed it's not as if they didn't go to school but they haven't stretched themselves enough to acquire the skill you know the present day skill that is required for them to move up the ladder and change their status financially so i want to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined today tawakalit kareem Ulua toby ayodele a big thank you to Lufun Shokeni. Glad to have you join us. We also have Babatan Day, Maritha, and Benga, journalists who joined us earlier. A big thank you to Dr. Ama, who's been directing this podcast from the background. I know it's going to be very difficult for you not to, not to even contribute and say a word, even though you have quite a number of things to say. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, I think gradually now you are leaving the youth back bracket. Anyways, you are in Nigeria where youth leaders in some political parties are between their 50s and 60s so youth is a thing of the mind in this part of the world perhaps that is why we still don't have enough young people in government because as long as you are 50 55 you are considered young very young in this country a big thank you to everyone who's watched or who's joined us live on facebook um, don't forget that you can watch this again on our youtube platform it's leave space abundantly with an exclamation mark on youtube I am Nifemi Ogunto. A big thank you to everyone for joining us. See you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better, better global society. society.